0: Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode number two of Deep Papers, uh, where we interview AI scientists and deep dives on uh, AI research and AI papers. Um, in today's episode, we are going to be interviewing Tree Dow and Dan Fu, who are uh, computer science graduate students at Stanford, the authors behind the H3 paper, Hungry Hungry Hippos, which, uh, which is a novel language modeling architecture that uh, on a variety of tasks performs similarly, if not better to transformers, but uh, has very impressive context length uh, scaling properties such that it admits uh, very, very long context length if desired. So that's the, uh, that's the episode for today. Uh, before we begin, maybe we can just go around and do really quick intros for everyone else on the call. I, I'll, I'll, I'll start. Um, I'm Brian. Uh, I run a Twitter account called AIPub I uh, cover AI news, AI media, uh, AI research for primarily technical audience of uh, software engineers, machine learning engineers, and machine learning researchers. Uh, I also run uh, the AI Pub Talent Network, which uh, is basically a referral program for software engineers, uh, ML engineers, and ML researchers. Uh, you know, Sign up, I'll refer you to really cool AI startups if you're looking for your next gig.
1: Great. I, I'm Jason from Arise AI ML Observability.
2: Hey Aparna, also from Arise AI uh, ML Observability.
3: Uh I'm Dan. I'm a PhD student at Stanford. Oh, I think Tree and I are okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh Hi,
4: I'm 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 Tree. I'm also a PhD student at Stanford. We're in the we're in the same lab. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I'm a PhD student at Stanford. We're in the same lab. We, uh, we work with Chris Ray, um, broadly interested in systems and machine learning, uh, long context, as Brian mentioned. Um, very, very happy to talk about uh, all those things today.
4: Yeah. And, and thanks to Jason and Aparna and,
0: and Brian for inviting us to, uh, this chat. We're, we're really excited. The, uh, the, the, the honor is ours. I've, I've heard, uh, I've, it's actually it's a very weird term to hear over and over again at uh, events and parties and talking to researchers. But I've heard hungry hungry hippos over and over and over again for the last couple of weeks. So um, it's it's great to chat. Um, let's get started. The, the The first question I have is basically like, what's what's your one minute elevator pitch for the paper for those uh, for those who are listening? What are or maybe the the major problems that you guys address, and what are the major contributions or cool results that you guys came up with? Yeah.
3: Um yeah, so I, if you kind of take a very high level view, there there's a couple things that we're very interested in. Um so in H3 we were looking kind of at language modeling and uh language models these days have um kind of one major uh bottleneck that we wanted to address, which is uh, they really struggle to capture long context um and that's due to a very kind of fundamental technical reason in the architectures that people are using these days uh they're all using this this thing called attention which i'm sure many people on the call have heard about but attention has this property that it scales quad- quadratically in the sequence length um so in h3 we wanted to see okay can we replace attention with something else uh and our lab has been working on these primitives called states based models uh for for a couple of years now um so we wanted to see can we use state space models in language modeling um there were some more technical challenges which i'm sure we'll have time to get into um basically having to do with can you kind of compare words in a sentence like the the word at the beginning of the sentence to the word at the end to try to kind of do some semantic reasoning um and we found that kind of once you solve that problem you can use state space models in language modeling and then you can go to very long sequences Without scaling quadratically,
4: very cool. So, and uh, yeah, one 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 challenge that we run into is, uh, as Dan mentioned, is the expressiveness problem. But the other problem is kind of efficiency. Like, how do you actually make these things efficient? Um, Because transformer uh, uh, attention came out five six years ago. You know, tons and tons of engineers and researchers have been optimizing. Uh, attention and and we've also worked on optimizing attention so uh with a new model um we had to put in some work to make sure that it runs at least as fast as uh as attention on on modern hardware so you know we tackle both um expressiveness and and efficiency um and in in the end i think it it worked out pretty well we have something that um to some some scale does about as well as as transformers so that seems really promising and as as brian mentioned uh, maybe we'll be able to scale to, to long longer sequences and hopefully get better models that way. It'd be
1: great to I, I feel like not everyone knows what a, a state space model is. Uh even starting there at the highest level, um feels like you you borrow from linear time invariant systems. But let, let's just hear what is it, uh how's it different you know, how's it different or, or new uh versus what's what's been done out there.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, actually state space are actually, as you mentioned, very old concepts from, uh, you know, control theory, um, back in 1960s, I think from Kalman. So if you heard of Kalman filter, that's, that's the state space. Um, so more recently, people have been putting these things, um, in, in deep learning. So the way they, they work is, um, you can view them as, uh, kind of a linear RNN. So a recurrent neural net, but there's no nonlinearity. So that's one way to view them. Um, the other way to view them is like is a really long convolution where you're convolving with something that's as long as um, as the sequence length. And and then you know he has some more recent stuff leveraging this this connection. So uh, folks in the lab like Albert and Current has been working uh, pushing on, on on this direction, and they made really exciting uh, progress I think in the last couple of years. So things like uh, the S four model seem to be doing really great at some of these long range uh, benchmark tests. Um, so, uh, we are excited to take that, uh, architecture and put it in things like language modeling, which requires a little bit of, of a twist. So I think the high level take is that these state-space models are actually quite, quite old. They kind of look like either linear RNN or, or long convolution. Um, and now we're kind of trying to figure out how to put them um, kind of on par with attention in, in the realm of, um, of language modeling.
2: Oh, no, I was going to ask, can, can you also just kind of like the intro you gave to SSMs? Can you give a quick, brief intro to attention and, and kind of um, what you were starting to compare SSMs with? For sure, for sure.
4: Yeah. So, so attention, I think, uh, was started in 2014. Folks from uh, Benjo Lab were, uh, lab were using this. NLP. Basically, you, given a, a token, you kind of compare it against other tokens in the, in the same sequence. So they were using it in the context of actually recurrent neural nets. So back then, you know, RNN, LSDM, things like that were all, uh, all the rage. And so I think in 2017, folks at, um, at Google figured out that, hey, you can, you actually don't need all this recurrent stuff. And if you stack a bunch of uh, attention layers and, and MLP layers, they actually do really, really well, and they parallelize really well. So that's the tackle. That's the problem they tackle is that these things parallelize really well on, on hardware, and so they can scale these things up and train really well. And that has kind of taken over machine learning. Like right now, I think in all applications, like transformers, what uh, transformers and, and attention are what's powering all of these exciting applications. Things like ChatGPT, things like AlphaFold, things like Stable Diffusion, um, is enable a bunch of really exciting progress. So we're really happy to be in, in machine learning right now because there's so much excitement.
0: I was I was just to go on the states state space state space models uh, kind of line of conversation. I was I was curious if you could also comment just a little bit on both your your guys's and maybe your lab's background with state space models. Um, And also, like, kind of, you mentioned the paper, first off, you guys have been working on these for a while. Um, Second, something that's new to me, uh, you know, not the most knowledgeable uh, AI researcher, but um, I I didn't know that they've actually, uh, they've been used in a lot of other contexts recently. You mentioned this in the paper that, uh, if I remember correctly, they're they're used in some state-of-the-art context for audio generation or something like that. Um, so if you could also comment, maybe just a little bit about how state space models are being used now. Um, curious about. that.
3: Yeah. So um, yeah, as as Tree mentioned, a couple of our lab mates have really been uh, exploring their use cases uh, for for a couple of years now, like Albert and Karen. Um, so I think originally, when the S four paper, when they put out the S four paper in 2021, I think that was one of the first uh, demonstrations that state based models can really work well in long sequences. And there are some of the use cases were kind of speech understanding, like if I say a word, can you understand what word it is? Uh, there were some kind of long range tasks that go, uh, many times longer than your typical transformers. Um, after the S4 paper, Kurt and Albert, uh, put a lot of effort into kind of doing speech generation um, kind of one intuition is that a state space model is kind of a good model for kind of audio waveforms um, and because of that, you can, uh, kind of use a state space model to, to model audio waveforms. Um, they, they have these nice demos where, uh, they can get a machine to kind of count from one to 10 with, uh, with kind of, uh, no priors. Um, and, uh, if you, if you listen to the baselines, it's, it's a, it's really remarkable how, um, you know, transformers are kind of really struggling to do this. Um since then we've had lab mates kind of do time series forecasting. Uh there's uh kind of like um like uh electricity forecasting, that type of thing. Um I think weather forecasting a little bit uh and and things of that nature. So people were really using it a lot for kind of time series, continuous signals and things like that. The
4: the amazing thing is that you know these these ideas, even though know, they're 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 uh you know we uh now folk, a bunch of folks from different places are, are using these things. I think like when it first came out it looked a little bit uh, myster- mysterious but people have been uh figuring out and simplifying these things. So folks at IBM kind of simplify these things. Um uh, folks at MIT are, are, are using it in like I think in uh, RL as well. So a bunch of, of places they're using it in, in video generation and so on. So these ideas uh, I think we're seeing some of the impact in uh, in uh, a few applications done by a bunch of other people uh, in the field as as well so this is uh you know, this is this is really great like we we we're, we're seeing people adopting this this stuff and um i think that that making a progress towards addressing like the long range um, context learning modeling long sequences like that's uh that's the stuff that we're we're really really excited about
0: just really quick just follow-up question on that um like super high level why why are state space models so good at doing long context stuff i mean you mentioned in the paper the fast fourier transform is that the main reason uh are there other reasons but like why why are they so good at that
3: i think there's uh you can kind of look oh good oh yeah i i think there there's uh maybe uh maybe two two ways to to look at it so one just from an efficiency standpoint. Um, so Tree mentioned that one way of looking at these state space models is that uh, you can look at them as just a very long convolution um, over the sequence. And there's this uh, theorem uh, from the signal processing literature called the FFT uh convolution theorem. And it basically says that you can compute a very long convolution using the FFT. And the FFT is, it's another one of those algorithms that is uh, decades old and, and people have been, um, you know, thinking about it, working on it for a long time. So, uh, and it has a property they can compute it in almost linear time. So just from the kind of a, a computational standpoint, uh, it, you can, you can just use much longer sequence. You You can just like feed them in a lot longer. Um, from a more theoretical standpoint around the actual architecture, what it's doing, uh, there's a lot of, you know, interesting, rich theory about how this representation can kind of remember the entire sequence and, um, kind of take information from, from the whole sequence, depending on, on what you need. So there, there's sort of these fundamental reasons that you can, uh, that you sort of have very long memory. Then there's also just these, uh, uh, efficiency reasons um, for for kind of just being able to, you know, process long sequences.
2: Dan, just just a super simple question. Can you give me an example of a, a, of a long-range task that you, an SSM would do much better than a transformer? Um,
3: yeah, so a, a very simple one that I think uh, a lot of people will, will sort of understand is um, audio processing. Uh, So if you imagine your audio waveform, these things will be sampled at like 64 kilohertz or something. So that means that in one second of audio, you have 64,000 audio points. If you try to feed this into a transformer, uh, you need 64,000 squared different computations in order to do that. And now you're, you're, you've blown out your GPU memory. You can't load your model. Uh, your CUDA is going to complain. NVIDIA SMI is going to say, Oh, I can't do that anymore. Um, with an SSM, uh, not only can you process it, you, you also have a, have a chance of actually kind of modeling kind of how the audio waveform changes over time. Um, and, uh, that, that's, you know, one example of something that SSMs have, have shown a lot more power over than, than, um, than transformers.
1: And you have some examples in your paper of maybe a, a very specific long range task like recall. Can you describe again like not everyone knows the the, the long range task problems or the simple things where, where, where things fall over, but what, what's an example of a long long range task like recall um, that you tested against? and um, yeah, and maybe also describe some of the data sets out there people are testing against.
3: Yeah. So in H3, we were kind of very interested in language modeling. Um, so there, there's kind of a few ways that, that you can look at it. Um, so the task that you mentioned, Jason, um, recall. So that one is really, uh, if you uh, let me give you an example sentence. So if you have a sentence like President, uh, Obama went to the, uh, park with his dogs and, uh, met Michelle blank. And, uh, the question is, okay, what is the word that is go- going to come after Michelle? Um, is it Michelle Bachman? Is it, um, I can't think of other Michelle's off the top of my head. Uh, but, uh, we, we kind of as humans, we know that the answer is going to be Michelle Obama because at the beginning of the sentence, uh, we were talking about President Obama. Um, and so that, that is an example of one of the tasks that we were looking at. So, uh, can you, There's a token, so kind of at the beginning of your sentence and kind of near the end of the sentence, can you still remember it? Can you, um, can you recall it? Um, hence the name, you know, recall. Um, uh, and, and that's one example that that's one of the tests that we were looking at. Um, in our paper, we actually found that SSMs, uh, could not sort of immediately do that recall. Um, and the, the reason is, is a little bit, um, a little bit interesting. So, uh, if you, uh, if you, one way to look at attention is uh, you're going to be kind of making comparisons across your, your entire sequence. And that's kind of why it's, why it's qu- quadratic. So if you get to the end, you see Michelle, you're going to be like, okay, uh, there's a bunch of different words that can come after Michelle. Let me go one by one with every single word in my sentence. Okay. President, Michelle president, mm, maybe not Michelle Obama sounds right. But then I'm going to keep looking up Michelle park, Michelle dog, Michelle, uh, I'm forgetting the the rest of the words in the sentence already. Um, so attention can kind of do it by brute forcing it and kind of saying, okay, I'm going to go look one at a time at each word with a state space model. What we were able to do is we were able to kind of, uh, encode, um, a little bit, uh, Hey, maybe there's a concept that you should remember throughout the whole sequence. Um, maybe this president or this Obama word, uh, like if you think about the sentence, uh, the words that you probably remember are President Obama, maybe something about a dog, maybe something about a park, but there's a bunch of words in the middle, like, I'm pretty sure I said walk, <laughs> but but I, I can't remember anymore. Um, so one intuition is that the state state space model is saying, okay, we can have a model of what to remember from the sentence so that you can recall it at the end.
4: Yeah. So just just to to add to that, I know, Jason, you, you were asking about tasks. So. I think those are some more of the the I think uh, more uh, academic tasks. I think right now there are a bunch of applications that would benefit from this kind of long range um, interaction. So one is obviously you know ChatGPT, right? So when ChatGPT came out, um, I think one one feature that OpenAI advertised that it has great memory. So it's in it can remember stuff that it was talking about I don't know uh, pages of, ago. Right. So that's, that's something that, uh, for attention right now, we're kind of brute forcing it, We just like extend the context slang. And as you mentioned, we just compare against all the words that, that came before. And so the context slang, I think, uh, can, can get to, uh, 4,000 now, even though these models are really large, the context size is actually not that large, really 4,000, um, or, uh, we've talked to folks who are doing things like code generation, like you're editing a file and can it suggest things that are from a completely different file in the same directory or from you know from different directories or from the library that you are importing right so it somehow it has to remember what's in a library or from in, in different files so i think there are a bunch of really uh, new kind of new ai applications nowadays that could benefit from this long context and this is why this is an area that that we we uh, we want to make progress on
1: yeah so my my question is like where did the what hippo where did that come from and why is it hungry
3: free i I think you should i think you should take this one
4: right yeah so uh we had a paper a a while ago called hippo um this is me and albert and of course chris and 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 some folks in, in the lab we call it hippo because we were doing things like memory uh, we were trying to figure out an explicit memory mechanism for these, these models. Um, and so we were just brainstorming names and we come up with like, like memory hippocampus. So what if we call it hippo and see if the reviewers are going to figure out if it, it means hippocampus. Um, and then we, we had a, we had a, 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 a logo that's this cute hippo. Um and so some of the more recent state space models are based on that concept, like explicit memory. Um, and so we want to do another one. Um, and we're just brainstorming. And, and of course, Chris came up with this uh, great idea that, Hey, what if you call it hungry, hungry hippos? And why are the, why are the hippos so hungry? So, so that's like, uh, yeah, that's left to us to figure out. Um, so yeah, I thought, uh, we were just, we we're just playing around.
0: Very cool. Um, I I just wanted to ask just a little bit um, on kind of like maybe some of the high level ideas. And you mentioned a little bit of this already, but w- what are maybe some of the high level ideas behind this H three layer? Um, and I'm also curious, like how did how did in particular what what's novel about this work? Because you do mention like other people have been using state space models to do this kind of stuff, um, but obviously they they haven't been able to uh, you know perform as well on, on, on various language benchmarks. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what are maybe some of the new key ingredients that you guys found and added, uh, that, that made these work so well?
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: so the, the, and part of this answer will, will kind of explain why it's a hungry, hungry hippo and not just a single hungry hippo. Um, which is that, uh, well, one thing that we found was in order to kind of, so if we go back to this recall example from before. So you get to the end of the sentence, you see Michelle. Now you're like, okay, I need to see what things are kind of associated with, with Michelle. Um, and in this case, uh, we're going to, uh, at the beginning of the sentence, we said President Obama. So we're going to say, okay, Michelle president, there's some sort of relation there. Um, so what we did is, uh, we, we took two SSM layers. So that's why it's hungry, hungry, because there's two of them. Um, and we have one of them. We kind of, uh, gave it a representation that can kind of say, do a little bit of comparison, uh, nearby in the sequence. So it gets, just gives you enough ability to say, uh, okay, I'm going to say Michelle and compare it to the words nearby or, or other words in the sequence. And then the other hippo is kind of doing that, that memory thing. So that other hippo is kind of remembering words from, from the, the entire sequence. So between this, this first hippo that can kind of say, um, uh, do this comparison and then the second hippo that is remembering words through the whole sequence, uh, then you can say, you get to Michelle and then you can say, oh, there's a president that, 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 that appeared some time ago. So now we can bring out Obama as the, as the next word. Um, for those who are listening, who are kind of more technically inclined, uh, there's, uh, there's one, the way that we, the physical mechanism that we use, it's called a multiplicative gate. Um, all that means is that we take the outputs of these two hippos and we multiply them. Um, and, and that's kind of how, how we do the comparison.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, you know, part of it is inspired by attention. Of course, attention, you know, you have tokens interacting with each other. I think this gating idea actually goes uh, you know, a, a while, uh, go back uh, a long time to even in RNN, things like long-term, long-short-term memory LSTM. Uh, they were doing this kind of gating um, so, uh, people working in recurrent neural nets were thinking about these things, I guess, 10, 10, years ago. Um, more recent stuff on state space. Uh, I think there are folks at, at Google who are thinking about this kind of multiplicative interaction as well. Um, I think there's concurrent work from, uh, uh Sasha, um uh, Rush group. Actually, they, 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 we've been chatting with them, um, uh, exchanging notes so we see that hey this inter- multiplicative interaction actually uh, makes it work well for both language modeling uh, causal language modeling which is what we were doing and uh, they were working with uh, mass language modeling like bird style model and, and they also found that this multiplicative interaction is uh, is quite helpful there as well so uh, i think some of these old ideas uh, are, are coming back and becoming useful uh, again so that's like more on the, the modeling side, I think uh, the other side is this efficiency side, which is like, we, we see that these models, if you want to scale them up to be large, uh, that's actually really expensive to do. And if you don't have the right uh, framework, if you don't have the right kind of optimization it's actually really hard to do. Like, um, so we've been working hard to make these things efficient so that we can scale um, to you know, relatively large models. And of course we, we want to scale larger. Um, given budget, but I think yeah, thinking about like, taking some of the ideas um, from the existing literature on kind of expressivity, uh, multiplicative interaction, combined with um, improvement in, in efficiency, I think uh, is you know, what enab- enabled us to to do some of this work.
2: Petri, hey, uh, qu- you know, question for you: How do you measure the express expressivity, like what, what was kind of your way of you know comparing across what this was doing in across these types of data sets like how'd you measure that
4: right yeah so uh, you can measure them uh, through you know, performance on the task that you care about so for example nowadays people do language modeling and they measure either uh, complexity, which is a, a metric on the the upstream uh pre-training or measure the zero shot a few shot um evaluation on downstream. That means like how well can you can you prompt a model with some 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 examples and can it can it then figure out? This is called in-context learning. Uh so that's pretty expensive to to evaluate. We we have some of that. Um, I think Dan can go into more more details about you know, some of the toy tasks. One of them he, he mentioned already, some of the toy tasks that we figure out. Uh So that we can, uh, along the way, design better better model. So then, can go
3: into more more details about that. Yeah, yeah. So as Tree mentioned, um, one way to test is just train a big model, wait a week, then at the end see if it works. Um, But that's a very expensive way to do research. Um, Maybe at certain you know nameless large tech companies that have too many GPUs and. Other hardware, maybe that's something you can do, but uh, as a couple of grad students it's it's not something um, that that was quite available to us. Uh, so we put some effort into developing these kind of toy tasks. Um, so the Jason, you you mentioned that the recall one um, we you would uh, the toy task is kind of you go even simpler, uh, you come up with a fake little language that has you know ten words in it, and then you you give it a little bit of a pattern. Um, so, uh, one is, uh, one is called associative recall and you just have, you know, some words be keys and then some words be values. So an example is like a three, B two, C four, uh, D one. And then you say, okay, a, and then you have the model, try to predict what comes next. And so this is kind of a very toy version of that president Obama, Michelle Obama in the, in the park type thing. Um, and you know that's a task that you can run in you know minutes on your on your uh, computer. Um, and then we were finding that uh, you know S four and uh, some other things just by themselves before H three were were kind of having a lot of trouble trouble doing that. Um, but then when we designed H three, we saw we saw that it could kind of pick it up immediately. Um, and then uh, that gave us the confidence to then go start the expensive runs, uh, do the big downstream evaluation.
2: I gotta say, I love the examples you've been giving, them
0: They've been super helpful. <laughs> I I uh I, I wanted to ask just if you guys could talk a little bit about the results. Um, because the, the results that you mentioned in the paper are very, very impressive, uh, both for your kind of pure H3 language models and then also the the blended one where you throw in like two attention layers. Um just curious if you could say a little bit about that.
4: Okay, yeah. So um, I think, uh, in some of the, uh, large, uh, benchmark tests, we saw that just pure H3 does, you know, uh, almost as well as transformer. Uh, you know, there's still a little bit of a gap that we, we want to, we want to figure out. I think transformer and, and attention in particular are doing something pretty powerful. And we, we don't completely understand all of that yet. So we, we make a step towards. Um, understanding what transformer is doing, can we ach- achieve the same thing with a, a different architecture? Um, and as you mentioned, um, when we uh, mix it up with mix it with one or two attention layers, we saw actually really promising results. Um, so on some of the larger language tasks, we saw that this hybrid architecture uh, does as well or, or slightly better than than transformer, and that's really encouraging um, because uh yeah transformers been an architecture that's been there for 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 five six years if you want to um if we want to let's say scale along a context and figure out something that does about as well but maybe scale maybe scale, scale better. So we were able to get some results up to models upsize up to I think uh, 1.3 billion and 2.7 billion uh language models that does about as well as existing uh transformers like GPT Neo. Um, so that's pretty pretty encouraging and and we're excited uh to either scale that up or you know, figure out a way to do even more efficient inference. I think inference right now is a big uh yeah, a big concern for for most folks who want to deploy these things, and we believe that uh state based methods could be much much more efficient during inference so we, we we haven't done as much work optimizing the inference, but we also saw we already saw some uh, early promising results to show that Hey, these things can do inference uh, quite a bit faster, um, so that would be fun to push on either scaling things up or optimizing the inference piece.
0: I had, I had two like quick kind of related follow up questions. Um, one one was, uh, will does this blended architecture where where the vast majority of the layers are H three, but then a couple of them are are um, are just playing attention do those have the same long context scaling properties? Like, do you, do you lose the long context scaling properties if you add in just a couple attention layers? Um, And then the other question is kind of related is um, it's interesting that you get uh, really, you you, you get a, a major boost in performance just by adding in a couple attention layers. It kind of suggests that the attention is, is like doing a little bit that's missing or something, or there's, it It has a little bit of capability that that isn't isn't afforded purely by the h three um or the state space model so I, I was just kind of curious if you have any like super high level intuition for maybe what what the attention might be doing um it's more high level vague question but
4: sure i i i can i can take this yeah so the um i think one one question. Is like what? What are the remaining attention layers doing? And, and then the then can go into more more details. Um, yeah, we don't complete. We don't completely understand. So that would be really fun to to figure out. Um, and uh, I just I, I, you know, also a call a call for for to the, the community. Can we figure? Hey, we kind of reduce it to like just a couple of layers of of attention. can we go go figure out? Uh, what's going on there and uh, they're the folks at Anthropic have been doing amazing work on the uh, mechanistic interpret- uh, interpretability of, of these attention layers um, so hopefully uh, we'll soon figure out what these attention layers are doing um, now back to the question of like when you do you lose the do you lose the long context scaling um to some to some extent you don't in this uh so for example if you have you know 30 attention layers and you scale context to much longer, you have to kind of pay the cost for all of those 30 layers. But if you only have, um, two or three attention layers and you scale up really long, you only have to pay the, the cost of, of long context for one, of, uh, you know, two, two attention layers. So it's not so bad. Um, ideally we, we would figure out what these attention layers are doing, um, and, uh, and kind of replace them with alternatives. Uh, And Dan can go into some more more detail, some of our uh, deeper deeper dive into what what we've been we've been playing with.
3: Yeah, yeah. So Tree Tree is mentioning uh, or referring to a couple um, works that we actually don't have out yet, but um, we'll be releasing probably in the next uh, couple of weeks. But uh, we we did some deep dives into exactly kind of what these remaining attention layers are doing. Um, And we found that Maybe it's possible to, to, to kind of remove them. Um, so one super simple idea that, that we had that, um, actually somebody, uh, uh one of our, our lab mates named Michael Polly came up with was just, um, uh, we mentioned H3 has these multiplicative gates and he thought, okay, I'll just add more. Um, and, and when he did that, uh, he, he was able to start seeing some kind of, uh, initial promising results of language models. Com- completely without attention. So, so we're very excited about that. Um, I hope, uh, uh, we, we should be seeing that come out in in, within a couple of weeks. Um, uh, we, we also, uh, uh, you know, poked around ourselves, kind of did some interpretability, um, uh, explorations. Uh, One thing you can do is you say you run a sentence through your, your, your model and then you say, okay, uh, in uh, the attention that the the attention that happened it's kind of doing this brute force comparison um uh, you can say okay which things is, is the things that's more similar or, or less similar um and there you 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 see some patterns that we we were able to uh kind of look at and kind of get some intuition about what's what what's happening and then um uh, some of these follow-up works that, that i think uh, you'll you'll be seeing pretty soon um we were able to kind of take some of the this intuition and and play with it And
4: yeah, and I guess from a pragmatic point of view, uh, I guess attention is still, you know, is doing great things, like right? Uh, it's powering all, all of these exciting applications. So, you know, it's, it's here to stay. Like we're not saying like stop, stop all your transformer training. No, like if it looks right for you, it works works great right for you. I think we're more curious about, Hey, uh, one understanding what these, these things are doing. How to what extent can we? Um, Can we replace them? And two, um, what are some of the new applications that maybe we need to go beyond the quadratic uh, scaling of of attention? So, yeah.
2: One maybe high-level question for you guys is, any idea of, I feel like a lot of product people, listeners who, you know, fans of AI right now might be curious, what, what are some product applications? To what you all are building, and how could someone leverage the blended architecture you came up with, and you know, and take advantage of kind of the the long range kind of tasks? Any any examples of kind of product applications of this?
3: Yeah, so there's I think a couple that um, I'll speak to a couple that that we know of because um, you know people have sort of reached out to us uh, one. I think that we've mentioned a couple of times is code generation. Uh, so you you're writing a code file and you have some import at the top, and uh, it's it's kind of very important uh, for for the for your code to to work in kind of very important context. Um, but you've you've written a very long code file and you're like you're at the bottom, so your your copilot um, or whatever your the, the next version of copilot could be, um, it would be useful to kind of look look at that, um, be able to have that context. Or I think as Tree mentioned, maybe you have a file and you have a piece of code in another file that's, that's very, um, relevant. Um, or, or maybe, uh, there's like some comment somewhere in, in in some other part of your code base. Um, so code generation, I think is, is very compelling. Um, video processing, video understanding is, is another one of these, uh, where, you know, your average, uh, YouTube video these days is probably like at least 10 minutes long. 60 frames a second that's thousands and thousands of frames um way longer than than anything that uh than a transformer can process these days um people have uh, talked to us about biological applications uh so one of the longest sequences that we deal with on a daily basis is our dna um I won't go into the details of biology so that I don't uh, embarrass myself with my high school <laughs> biology understanding, but, uh, uh I, there, there's a lot to do there kind of with, you know, understanding the, the, the genetics and the genomics. Um, so, but those are kind of three, three examples that, that we're very excited about, that people have talked to us about. Um, but I'm sure that there's, there's many others. Yeah. And
4: there, are, I think there are new, these new, AI workflows that are much more interactive. Um, so chat GPT, as I mentioned, you go back and forth with the uh, with the, uh, with the um, chatbot. Um, a bunch of companies are building kind of AI assistant, AI teammates that you go back and forth. Uh, you know, you ask it to do something, and then it will take some actions, and you can uh, either correct or accept these the, these actions. So these multi-turn user interactions going to be really important. Uh, there are folks building things like automatic, like slide generation, like kind of a, like a remote worker. You ask them to like, Hey, make 10 slides on this thing. And it would go make 10 slides. And then you would go back and forth and and give, give feedback. Um, and it's kind of amazing that these, these folks are building these things. I know of one where it's like a one or two piece, one or two students spending a couple of weeks and they can build pretty compelling applications. So these things are going to be everywhere. they they're going to require interaction between users and, and you know, the AI system. So I think this, this kind of long-range context is going to be more and more important in the future for these AI workflows.
0: Fantastic. Um, well, thank, thank you so much. Uh, the, the last question I have is, uh, for, for those who are listening, where can they find more about what you've been working on and where can they follow you for future research updates?
3: So for, for H3, we have, uh, we have our paper online. Um, I think if you Google hungry, hungry hippos Stanford, it should get down to it. Uh, if you just Google hungry, hungry hippos, you'll probably get the board game or not quite sure it's called. It's a, it counts as a board game. Um, but you can read more about there. We have some blog posts. The code is up. Um, I think. Uh, probably the best way to, uh, uh, follow future research is Twitter. Uh, apparently that that's how research is done these days. Um, so, uh, we're, we're both on Twitter. Uh, my handle is, uh, at real Dan Fu trees is, I think it's tree underscore Dow, uh, if that's correct. Um, yeah, so the, those are you know some ways to, to find us. Of course, we're academics, so we go to all the conferences. Um, so H uh, three uh, will be at iClear Clear um, in in Rwanda. So if you're there, you know we we'd love to chat. Great.
1: Well, great great to great to meet all of you. Great to have you on. Uh, love the love the work, and hopefully we'll, we'll run out to run into you out out in the conference yeah. circles
4: or something. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much for inviting us. It's been really fun.